Hello, I'm Damien Venuto. It's April 22nd, and this is The Front Page, a daily podcast presented by the New Zealand Herald. Mega churches are big business in New Zealand, with these organisations raking in millions of dollars every year. Few have been as successful as the Arise Church, which now ranks as one of the biggest in the country. But this house of worship is facing a rebellion from within, as members of the congregation start to reveal what really goes on behind the scenes. Today, I'm joined by independent journalist David Farrier to talk about the scandal rocking one of New Zealand's biggest mega churches. Now, David, you've described Arise Church as the mega church you've never heard of. Can you give us a rundown of how big this church is and what it exactly stands for? It's a big church. There are 10,000 members. They're spread out over 12 campuses across New Zealand. John Cameron is the founder and the spiritual father of the church. It's big. It's funny in New Zealand because we talk so much about the likes of Destiny Church, but in comparison of how much money they rake in and footprint, Destiny is small fry compared with something like Arise. Arise is a mega church, much like Hillsong overseas, if you've heard of that church, and it's a Pentecostal form of Christianity. So it's a big emphasis on things like a real personal revelationary relationship with God. So speaking in tongues, healing, a very visceral, seeable relationship with God. And that includes, of course, giving a lot of money to God, which is tithing, giving 10% of your income to the church and therefore to God. And that's a big part of what makes this place tick. I want to jump in right here. God wants you to have money. Let's start right there where some would say there is controversy in the church. Let's be really, really clear. God wants you to have money. God wants you to have enough for you and enough to go beyond you. Why do you think it is, David, that we focus so much on Brian Tamaki and Destiny Church and pay so little attention to a church like this, which, as you described, is much bigger than Destiny? The leader is just much more savvy on not being quite as out there. I think Brian Tamaki is a celebrity. He thrives on people knowing who he is and saying some really ignorant things publicly. And so the media will descend on him. These other mega churches and Arise is one of about four or five mega churches in New Zealand. You know, they have primarily white leaders. They have a congregation who is much whiter. They seem to the general public just much more vanilla and bland. You'll drive past their big buildings that you might see off the side of the motorway or their big campuses and you'll just think, oh, it's one of those like happy clappy churches. And you don't really think of it beyond that. John Cameron, the leader of Arise or the other leaders of these mega churches could go out in public. No one would have any idea who they are. Whereas in the actual church, they're treated like a celebrity. David, the business of God is highly competitive and you're running against some big institutions that have been around for a long time. So how exactly did this church end up becoming one of the biggest in the country? John Cameron is just incredibly driven. You know, he learned from a pastor called Brent Douglas, who is still around. It will not turn out okay. If you do not know in those days how to behave, what are the systems, the, the principles that you need to develop in your life, I have really, really bad news for you. You'll either compromise Christ or you'll not compromise, but you'll get killed. 
you'll have your head chopped off. Absolutely certain. But there's a way of escape. There's a way of protection. But that's for another night. I love this stuff, you know. I, I can't tell you how much I love it. He's sort of a big fire and brimstone sort of preacher. You can watch him railing against CNN as fake news on YouTube and talking about casting out demons. So John Cameron took all of his playbook from Brent Douglas, and that is to grow churches, to plant new churches, arise, they will take over other churches. So his whole motivation is to grow and to get bums on seats. So a big part of Arise's success is planting new churches in university towns. University students, they're looking for belonging, they're looking for family, and a church offers that to them. It will draw them in with prizes or really slickly made music and performances. And then obviously once you're in, the pressure comes on, spiritual pressure, other types of pressure, and suddenly you're tithing 10% of your income as a student and you're sort of trapped in this system that can be incredibly hard to escape. Tithing is about the heart. That's what it's about. Our heart towards God and His heart towards us. He is the God of blessing and relationship. And when we tithe, we are freeing our hearts to worship Him. It's about our heart. It's about our heart. Tithing is about our heart. David, over the past six months, you've been researching this church. What drew you into the world? I've always been fascinated by this culture. I've always looked at Hillsong and the various controversies that they've weathered over the years. Obviously, Hillsong is kind of crumbling a little bit at the moment with Brian Houston having to step down over a police investigation into him allegedly covering up his father's sexual abuse of children. Last year, police charged Houston with concealing a serious indictable offence of another person. It's no wonder so many people They claim his late father and preacher Frank indecently assaulted a young male in 1970. I intend to fight the charge and I welcome the opportunity to set the record straight. Arise Church and, you know, other mega churches like Life and City Impact, they all model themselves after Hillsong. For the last six months, I've been hearing from members of Arise saying, look, this church has a darker side and there are people that are being spat out the other side of the system who are really broken by what's gone on. And then as I started writing more about Hillsong on Webworm, my blog, more people started coming out of the woodwork. And that's to the point where I started publishing some of these stories. And, you know, they're stories of abusing interns' time and minds. They have an internship program that you pay $2,500 to do. You get a certificate and a small qualification at the end of it. But they are pushed to the extreme. You know, they're working incredibly long hours um, whilst tithing 10%, trying to do well for God and do well for the church. And I just started speaking to an incredible number of people who were just burnt out, people who became suicidal, who were spat out the other side of this church, just utterly broken. And that's where the story started for me, was hearing from those people. Now, David, as you've been reporting on this, you've started to uncover some allegations of emotional abuse occurring within the church organization. Could you touch on some of these issues and explain to us what is happening behind the scenes when no one's watching? John runs this thing uh, in an incredibly driven 
intense way because again he sees himself as sort of saving souls and he's got to make every production everything that's running perfect there's a number of different issues at play here and we just haven't been hearing about them because when people have these awful experiences and leave the church they're in isolation they've lost their whole church family they think they're alone in it they don't know that this is also happening to multiple other people within the business and it is a business how involved is cameron in the day-to-day running of the organization? Yeah, no, it's, it's a good question because, you know, when John Cameron put out, I think, press release number three saying that he is stepping aside, I think, you know, I assumed and other websites like Stuff assumed that he'd resigned, but he actually put out a rise put out another statement saying that no he isn't resigning he's merely stepping aside and he's still a member of the arise family so in all of these allegations and the investigations going on uh, john cameron is still very much involved you look at the deed you look at the board rules he decided who went on and replaced him and his brother on the board so um, it's frustrating from my point of view as an investigative journalist that any question i now put to the board about anything i find is just met simply with a there is an external review going on, we can't comment, which I see as being an incredibly smart way of not talking to this and hoping the whole thing blows over. David, your reporting on these issues has led to some personal criticism. So Family First has alleged that you're only interested in this issue because these organisations oppose the ban on gay conversion therapy. What would your response be to that level of criticism? I don't think anyone really takes family first too seriously in what they say. And I think when you're sharing victim stories about sexual assault and rape and how they've taken those to a church and essentially been silenced, and you say that's because there's some sort of a vendetta against um, the gay conversion therapy bill being pushed back against, it's pretty offensive. But I think that's what family first has always been. They usually put out some pretty ignorant press releases. And for the record, yeah, I would say I don't support uh, Arise's stance on gay conversion therapy. Part of my story was writing about what people with different sexual orientations who went to Arise had to put up with. And part of that was being led through a prayer saying that same-sex attraction was essentially a lie and they had to turn away from it. And there was like a whole little procedure they had to go through. If you're not a straight person and you have another sexual orientation and you're being told by this organization that has become your family that you are broken and you need saving and you must turn away from these things i find that pretty shocking but that is not my motivation for reporting when you look at what's happening at arise in the context of what's happening at hillsong do you think we're seeing the age of the reckoning of these mega churches do you think that we will see some big changes in the coming months and years Look, I'd like to think so, and again, I'd like to say at this point something that I do get leveled at me in some way that I'm, you know, I have no issue with Christianity or the message of Christianity. It's the structure of the and the institution that is the problem in these mega churches. But you know, these churches—they're built to weather storms, like they're built in a very specific way. It's all from the top down. The governance structure is terrible. There's no oversight. So they're quite good at keeping control of these situations. You know, with Hillsong, with Brian Houston having to step down, there's a big multi-part documentary series out about them. That's all big positive moves where I think people are waking up to it. But they're incredibly smart. They're very good at doing this. It's a model that's worked for like a couple of decades now. So I think I'd be naive to think that this story is going to break all that apart. But I think if we keep talking about it and enough people 
keep looking at these things critically and looking at the amount of damage that they do and amongst the arguably good stuff that they do in the community or for certain church members. I think if we report on this enough, maybe some positive change will come from it. But it's a high maybe. I'm deeply cynical about this. They know what they're doing. And again, they are motivated by literally saving people's souls from like eternal hellfire. So they're motivated in a way that is also incredibly strong. So they won't be backing down anytime soon either. I think a lot of this will be viewed as collateral damage for them. They're saving souls. So who cares about a few people complaining on the sidelines? the stories from within the church haven't stopped coming into you do you think that you'll be reporting a little bit more on this in the coming months and weeks will there be further stories on the saga yeah i mean absolutely i mean i've always i've reported on mega churches on webworm because of the overflow into conspiracy theory culture you know i originally started reporting on city impact church because their leader peter mortlock was spouting a lot of incorrect medical information and sort of anti-vax rhetoric so i got drawn into it that way the mega church round is something that I do report on and I will keep reporting on. It's not my only beat. But as I say, there's like a lot of stories and a lot of angles here. And I'm not mincing words when I say like this is the tip. What I've written is the tip of the iceberg. There's so much there. I just need to figure out how to be able to accurately report it in a way that does justice to the people that are talking about this stuff. Appreciate your time today, David. No, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening to today's episode of The Front Page. You can read more about this and other stories in the New Zealand Herald, online at nzherald.co.nz, or tune in to news bulletins across the NZME network. With thanks to our producer and editor, Sean D. Wilson, and executive producer, Ethan Sills. You can follow The Front Page on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. And tune in tomorrow for another look behind the headlines.